Now, nonstop sports talk continues with news and analysis from the lead writer of 1045thezone.com. Not the hero we deserve, but the hero we need. This is the Big Six. It's going to be you. With your host, Jason Martin. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Straight up 6 o'clock by my watch means it's time for the one and only Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Glad to have you with us. My name is Jason Martin. You can follow me on Twitter at jmartzone. Our telephone number is 615-737-1045. As I say every night, I'm blessed beyond measure. I hope you recognize that you are as well. A couple of things on my mind tonight. I did not get to talk about Kevin Durant, so we will get to that a little bit later on in the program. And I want to talk about Kareem Hunt again in more detail because I spent the opening segment yesterday talking about him. After less than four months of unemployment, he finds a home with the general manager that originally drafted him, John Dorsey, who was with the Chiefs at the time, now with the Cleveland Browns. And now he waits to see what the NFL's discipline is going to be and what penalty is left to be paid before he can resume his pro football career. 23 years old, two seasons in the league, not two full seasons because he was done after week 11 this past season, put on the commissioner's exempt list because of what happened. And he got to play with one of the great play callers and offensive minds in the history of the NFL and Andy Reid. And a whole lot of talent around him, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, a lot of guys. But now he presumably is going to get Baker Mayfield, and Freddie Kitchens, which could also turn out to be a great fit for him. On the field, could be really good for Kareem Hunt. But I'm sorry. I listened to some apologists yesterday in the national media and today say something that kind of left me, quite frankly, befuddled. And so here we are with me talking about this off the top of the show again. The refrain that I heard from numerous places yesterday was, he paid his dues. You see, the argument here is that because Kareem Hunt's reputation took a little bit of a hit, actually a gigantic hit, that's enough. But here's the thing, folks. This is insane. Now, I believe 100% in redemption, and I'm rooting for a new Kareem Hunt. And yesterday he did say something that I really liked because he suggested that he's still a work in progress as a human being, as a person. He didn't claim to be cured. He didn't claim to be perfect. He said he's working to be better. Kudos to him for that. I hope that was his own statement and not one that a handler believes sounded good, but either way, it did sound good. And guess what? I do the exact same thing, Kareem. Every day, I hope I'm a better person. I try to earn more trust from those people that are around me. And I ask the Lord to grant me the the ability to learn to love him more, for him alone, not what he can do for me, and also that I could love everyone else with more fervor and offer them more grace, as we're all the same. So that part of Kareem Hunt's statement I really liked. However, to suggest that he paid his dues is the worst kind of rationalizing. And it leaves me scratching my head and wondering if the people that said this actually believed it or if they simply wanted to say the single most polarizing thing they could to try and attract or anger an audience into listening. It's not novel for me to get behind this microphone and say what Kareem Hunt did was wrong. 
and potentially stay on the negative side of Kareem Hunt. That's more the logical conclusion at this standpoint. But that's something I try not to do is the opposite of that. What I say, whether or not you agree with me or not, is what I'm thinking at that given time. And it's very possible I'll change my mind or my opinion when new information finds its way to me, as it does with everybody. We're not stuck with the same opinions that we have from the beginning. One of the things that drives me insane about Skip Bayless is that Skip Bayless makes a statement with limited information. New information comes, and instead of just altering his position and saying, okay, well, this is interesting, and we need to take this into consideration, he just basically says that all of that information is irrelevant. When he decided that Robert Griffin III was better than Andrew Luck, nothing was going to change his mind. And so he still says negative things about Andrew Luck to this day to try and prop up a position that has been proved demonstrably false. Same thing with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Same thing with LeBron James and Michael Jordan. All of his opinions are one thing or the other, cut and dry, black and white, and no matter what comes out to refute that, or to just add nuance to the take, He refuses to take that into consideration because his pride won't allow him the possibility that maybe he got it wrong. But never am I going to sit here and tell you something that I don't actually believe in that moment. And if something changes, I'll tell you that too. Maybe that's the case with all these folks as well. I'm not asserting that it's not. I'm just saying it's very curious the way that they defended this. I find it hard to believe, folks, that paying dues for Kareem Hunt simply meant a tarnished reputation. I mean, Tanya Harding's reputation was shot. Do you think that she paid enough dues? I mean, you could go to more extreme examples. I'm not going to do that, but you could go to many more extreme examples than what Kareem Hunt did and suggest, yeah, those reputations were tarnished forever, but did they actually pay the dues that they needed to pay? The dues were they weren't able to do what they used to be able to do. Sometimes they were behind bars as a result of that. And another problem that I'm having with some of the response to this Hunt signing is how inconsistent it seems to be with other positions on other players that these same hosts have taken over the past few years and other incidents. Here, ladies and gentlemen, we have all the evidence necessary to know what happened in February of 2018. I mean, Kareem Hunt didn't even deny it once the video of him assaulting the woman in this Cleveland hotel in the middle of the night back in February released. And the video, of course, released in November, and it was the end of his season and the end of his tenure with the Kansas City Chiefs. The problem with his contrition is that it did not come until the evidence was out there and he had no choice. He did apologize eventually, but was it remorse or was it, I am really sorry that that video exists. That one hurts. I'm going to take you back to before 2010, right in like 2008-2009 range. During the mortgage crisis, after the investment banks failed, a Goldman Sachs executive testified before Congress. Well, a lot of them did. Actually, a lot from all these banks, J.P. Morgan and uh, Merrill Lynch and Lehman Brothers and everybody. But this one particular guy stands out to me. Much of the testimony during this time from all these guys was unintentionally hilarious and sad. Sometimes, though, it was just downright ridiculous. So Carl Levin was a member of the Oversight Committee that was looking into all this. And he asked a question to this Goldman Sachs executive as to how this guy felt once emails were released publicly that intimated that Goldman Sachs traders were encouraged to try and pump CDOs and other derivatives 
that the bank itself considered to be, quote, crap, unquote. That's the word that they used in the email. This is just total crap, but let's sell as much of it as we possibly can. This man's response. After Carl Levin asked him how he felt about that being said by people he worked with, and indeed he himself saying it in an email, this was his direct response. And I wrote this down. I think it's very unfortunate to have that on email, unquote. Then a few seconds later, he realized what he had just stated and tried to backtrack on it, but by then it was too late. He said, I think it's very unfortunate to have that on email. In that one sentence, he had given up the trick. I don't know if he was sorry for what happened to the American people. It doesn't sound like it. I don't know if he was sorry about what happened to the global economy. Again, doesn't really sound like it. Greed, lack of moral fiber, all of those things. I don't know how much remorse he showed there. What he was sorry about was that there was an email to prove his and his employer's culpability in this gigantic mess. Their reputation was tarnished. Kareem Hunt, lest we forget, was released by the Kansas City Chiefs, not directly because of the incident itself. Now, he might have been, had they known about it when it happened. But Kareem Hunt was released by the Kansas City Chiefs because, in his own words later, he was, quote, less than forthright about things, unquote. In layman's terms, what that means is, I lied. I told him it was no big deal, it was nothing to worry about. Maybe didn't even tell him it was a real event. I lied. The Chiefs organization said so. Kareem Hunt has basically said so. Kareem Hunt lost the organization's trust. And he was cut while the Kansas City Chiefs were atop the AFC standings, partially, maybe more than partially, thanks to his contributions alongside Patrick Mahomes. He lost their trust. John Dorsey's statement yesterday from the Browns said he's going to have to earn the trust of this city. Is he, though, John? Is he going to have to earn the trust? And he said he's going to have to earn the trust of the organization. How much trust does he really need to earn when you've already brought him back into the organization? You've already given him the reward in advance. I don't want to go down the the finance road again, but you've already booked the profits on this two years before we know where the stock's actually going to be, where this derivative is going to be traded at. You've already brought him back to the NFL and offered him a second chance. And then you say, he's going to have to earn your trust, but he's already going to be earning your money. He's already earned a roster spot. So in that moment, are you telling me that you don't trust Kareem Hunt, but you're still going to sign Kareem Hunt? This is where my problem lies. In the words that these people are saying. If they would be honest, we would have a little bit more respect for him. We can't necessarily... Look, I'm not saying that I have no respect for John Dorsey. I'm saying what he's saying sounds like hogwash. It just does. None of this makes any sense. He's got to earn the trust of the organization. But you signed him. Now, he might not be able to play for eight games or for a full season, depending on what the NFL is going to do. But you signed him. You offered him a second chance and then said, you have to earn my trust. No, he really doesn't. You signed him. These things are working backwards.
If you want to do this the right way, he earns your trust, and then you sign him. I don't know why this is hard to understand. And I fail to understand how this qualifies in any respect as paying dues. Now, I've been a little bit negative on Kareem Hunt so far. When I come back, look, I'm not rooting against Kareem Hunt. And I'm going to make that point clear when we come back. It's the timing of all this that leaves me a little bit less than thrilled about how it's all played out. We will continue down this pathway next. You are listening to The Big Six with Jason Martin here on 104.5 The Zone. 104.5 The Zone, Nashville's home for college basketball. The Duke Blue Devils and Louisville Cardinals face off Tuesday night at 8 on 104.5 The Zone. Welcome back. Thanks for joining me. Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone taking you home. The weather has just been ugly yet again. It does look like Valentine's might be dry, might be windy, but it might be dry. So that's a positive. Just a little bit of a programming note, and we're going to talk about the Balls basketball team in the next segment. I have something very, I don't know, I've got some questions I want to ask about the Balls basketball team as it relates to national perception. But they'll be playing South Carolina tomorrow night. That will be in the place of this program. So I'll be back with you on Thursday, on Valentine's Day. Full disclosure. Uh, I'll be out on Valentine's Day, but I've got something special for you to listen to anyway. We talked about Kareem Hunt in that first segment. And you can hit me up at Zone, by the way, to talk about this. And I said that I don't understand these folks that are saying that he paid his dues because his reputation was tarnished. Your reputation can be tarnished. That's a byproduct of what you did. That's not necessarily you paying dues. How many, how many dues did he pay? He was released by the Kansas City Chiefs because he lied to them about the incident, more so than the incident on its own. The only reason he came clean was because the video released and there was nowhere to hide at that point. And I gave you the example of the Goldman Sachs trader that sat in front of Senator Carl Levin in Congress back in 2008 and was asked about emails that intimated they were selling crap. That was the word that they used. And the guy's response was, I am very, it's very unfortunate that that exists on email. That is not an apology. That is, ish. sorry, I got caught. So I said a lot of negative things there about what happened with Kareem Hunt. And John Dorsey said he's going to have to earn the trust of his organization and of the city of Cleveland. Is he really, though? Because you've already signed the guy. He's going to have to pay whatever penance the league comes up with when they finish this investigation. But you signed him. Now, folks, I don't want to go into this particular part of this in any real detail. Colin Kaepernick's stance, Eric Reed's stance, the anthem controversy, wherever you stand on that, whatever. I respect their freedom to have an opinion. I also can understand why the NFL reacted the way that it did. The idea of being on company time matters. End of that. However, those that spent months, if not years, going after Kaepernick, but seemingly have no issue with the Kareem Hunt signing, to the extent not even questions should be asked about it, suggesting that somehow he paid his penance because he lost part of his reputation, I think you might need to check yourself a little bit. These are not equivalent situations, but you can't sit here and be holier than thou only when it fits your personal belief structure in that moment. Tyree Kill. 
Joe Mixon when he was at OU, and that one was also on tape. You can find it. Bob Stoops did whatever he could to keep Joe Mixon eligible. Joe Mixon calling people haters on Twitter for daring to suggest that maybe he was a dirtbag because he basically knocked out a woman in a restaurant in front of the checkout line. And now here's Kareem Hunt. Last time I checked, maybe I'm wrong here, but last time I checked, don't we all believe it's it's uncool, it's inappropriate, and it's lacking important qualities to attack women? I feel like we can agree on that, even in a divided society. Even in a polarized society, I think we can agree on that fact. So, to, the, to those that continually make the argument about Kaepernick on company time, and I agree with that argument in large part, if Kareem Hunt had attacked a cheerleader before a game rather than a random woman in a hotel, would you feel differently about it then? Then it would have been on company time, right? So it required more problems then? This can get really in the weeds. The context of the incident does not matter because there's no context that explains this. Now, don't get me wrong on this. I am not saying in any way that Kareem Hunt should not ever get a second chance. I'm not saying that. I think Ray Rice showed ten times more contrition after his video released, but the peak of his career had unfortunately for him come a few years before his mistake. Here, Kareem Hunt's barely into his career, looks to be straight-up legit as a ball player, maybe on a Hall of Fame trajectory, may never make another mistake again. His old teammate, maybe he learned something from Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill did something even more heinous than Kareem Hunt did when he was in college, cost him his college career. He assaulted his pregnant girlfriend, kicked her in the stomach, but he ends up getting drafted. He's been super remorseful. He's gone through every possible method of counseling to try and overcome that problem. Kareem Hunt may be doing the same thing. We've heard he is doing some of those things, and I hope so. And Tyreek Hill, I believe, ended up marrying the original victim of that attack, if you can believe that. I'm not saying Tyreek Hill's a bad guy. I'm saying he did a really bad thing, and it cost him dearly, even though he still ended up in a prime spot in the NFL because he was really fast and really good at football. Life is not always fair when it comes to what certain people can get away with. I am not standing here in some pulpit or on a soapbox condemning Kareem Hunt forever. I hate what Kareem Hunt did. My guess is Kareem Hunt now hates what Kareem Hunt did as well. What I'm saying is, arguing that Kareem Hunt paid all his dues... When he did not tell the truth until it was revealed externally of him, arguing he paid his dues when another team stepped up to sign him as soon as they thought they might be able to get away with it in the public square, arguing he paid his dues when it really didn't even kill him that much in the pocketbook, to me is glossing over something that you just cannot gloss over. Further, in 2019, what is the truth about the NFL? Running backs are the most replaceable players in the league. 
They have the shortest careers. And guys that you don't expect to do much of anything can replace guys you think can and change fortunes. Le'Veon Bell is leaving Pittsburgh. Are the Steelers in bad shape without Le'Veon Bell? I don't think so. James Conner played pretty well. We saw what C.J. Anderson was able to do with Sean McVay. Are they actually going to pay Ty Gurley that money? Is he worth that money? There are some game-breaking guys out there, and Kareem Hunt may fit that bill, but he was also surrounded with the best offensive talent anywhere in football and a great play caller in Andy Reid. And it's no disrespect, and I, I know when you say no disrespect, it means you're about to disrespect people. I'm not disrespecting running backs. Those guys are amazing. But we have seen the turnover at the position and the lack of drop-off when it becomes a running back factory. The team that just won the Super Bowl was able to utilize a guy most people don't really talk about a whole lot to get there and then didn't even need him very much when they got to the Super Bowl because they won on defense. The game in 2019 is not reliant on the running back position. Maybe it is in some respects and using running backs in certain capacities, but not visual guys. Those aren't the guys that are going to win you Super Bowls. Because Todd Gurley was an MVP candidate in the first half of the season. He got 16 touches in the final two games of the year, and the Rams only scored three points in the Super Bowl. So the Browns are offering Kareem Hunt this second chance when based on Nick Chubb, the second-round pick, his work last year, four yards off of a 1,000-yard season, and also Duke Johnson, and maybe he's out the door, there's a large argument out there that the Browns didn't even need this guy. So how many dues did he pay? He missed the end of the regular season in the playoffs, and then he got signed within 14 days of the Super Bowl. Now, maybe the NFL is going to say he can't play until 2020. I kind of doubt it. I say eight games is probably more likely, and he's going to show up, and I bet you the Browns are probably 5-3 and three at that point, and that's going to be a fascinating on-field storyline going down the back half of next season. And I'm going to repeat this again. I am totally rooting for Kareem Hunt, the man. I'm rooting for this redemption story, and I'm, I'm not rooting against Kareem Hunt, the football player, either. What I'm saying to you is it's fair to question whether enough time has passed to offer the second chance now. Are we sure of his contrition? John Dorsey said that due diligence was done here by the Browns organization, by him. What due diligence? He says he's sorry and he's a really good running back? I just don't buy that it's about offering a second chance. It's about offering a second chance to an all-pro that can really help you win. And maybe there's nothing wrong with that, honestly, in the world of pro sports. Had the Browns not done it, I guarantee you some franchise would have. I'm not naive to this. I know that there's nuance behind it. I'm just a little bit uneasy with the speed at which this all happened. It does not feel like enough time has passed since this guy was not on a football field for this all to be okay. And the Browns are probably banking on the fact that the season doesn't start for several more months. There's going to be a draft. There's going to be all sorts of other things. And then maybe he misses eight games and we don't see him until late October. And by then, everybody's kind of forgotten about it. And those that are angry about it today won't be angry about it then. And they may be right. It just seems awfully quick to me. Awfully quick. Maybe I'm wrong. And I'm willing to hear arguments to that. You can tweet me at jmartzone. You can call me at 
737-1045. Up next, Vol fans. Is the nation taking your basketball team seriously? I'll try to answer that question for you. Big Six rolls along here on a Wednesday in the Music City on 104.5 The Zone. Valentine's Day is swiftly approaching, and between the roses, candy, and fancy dinner, you could use a few extra bucks. Well, we've got your back. It's 4K a day on 104.5 The Zone. Tune in for the national keyword every weekday at 8 a.m., 11 a.m., 2 p.m., and 5 p.m. Once you hear it, text it to 95819, and you could be the next winner. We're giving you the chance to win $20,000 each week, 1000 bucks at a time. 4K a day on 104.5 The Zone. Welcome back. Thank you for joining me tonight. The Big Six rolling along here on a Wednesday night in the Music City. Been raining all day. Not that cold, but just sort of an annoying, obnoxious weather day. Talked a lot of Kareem Hunt in the first couple of segments. You can have your say as you already are. At Zone is where you can find me on Twitter. I'm the editor-in-chief of the Big Six blog. Lead writer, 1045thezone.com, covering True Detective right now. I've got a piece on WWE releasing tomorrow as well. So check all that out. So I was down on Radio Row two weeks ago, and I did a segment the first night I was there after Tennessee had beaten South Carolina the night before on the road. And the reason that it came to mind that night was that the number one team in the country was relegated to the SEC network while Kentucky played Vanderbilt on ESPN. Nobody is going to argue that UK is not a ratings draw. And on that level, it's going to make sense. But I asked the question that night, how many number one seeds are playing on conference-specific networks and tertiary networks at that, secondary networks, in a conference game against a fairly charismatic coach in Frank Martin with a dangerous team, a team that's reached the Final Four in recent years, and a better opponent by any metric than the one that Kentucky had played that night on the four-letter on ESPN. So I'm watching basketball this past weekend. Zion Williamson of Duke blocks a Virginia three-pointer in the Blue Devils-Cavs rematch in Charlottesville. Virginia has lost two games this year. They beat North Carolina last night. North Carolina was shorthanded. But Virginia's good. We know this. But their two losses are both to Duke. One close and then by 10 when Duke maybe played the best all-around game anybody's played all season in college basketball against them in Charlottesville on Saturday. And this Zion block was this highlight real play. It really was. And it had the national media swooning. Yesterday I watched High Noon. I watched Around the Horn. I watched PTI. All three did full segments on that block, suggesting that that immediately made Zion Williamson the number one pick in the draft, that he should be able to leave the school basically right now and go straight to the NBA, acting like it was the best play anybody has ever seen. Now, I don't want to take anything away from that block, But my pal Chad Withrow, the Midday 180, sort of echoed my sentiments a few days ago on Twitter when he responded to a tweet about that block saying, yeah, it was incredible, which it no doubt was, truly ridiculous. Zion Williamson is a freak. But Grant Williams did it earlier this season for Tennessee. A very similar play. High noon, around the horn, PTI. Not one of those shows mentioned that play. And I imagine that's probably because Bomani, Pablo, Tony, Tony, Mike, and all the other panelists on ATH have no idea it even happened in the first place. 
Folks, how many number one ranked teams? And I want you to keep in mind that the last Tennessee Volunteers loss in basketball, and this is by far the best way to display this stat, came on Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. I saw Austin Stanley of A to Z Sports tweet that out. And he's right, and it's better than just naming the number of days, which it's an incredible number of days, but saying Black Friday, you all of a sudden remember, holy cow. This team has been number one in the polls for four weeks. Four. The last four AP polls have had Tennessee at the top. No one, no one talks about them outside of the SEC. When the top 16 seeds came out over the weekend... If the NCAA tournament were to start today, and this is just kind of an eye roll for me, like who really cares? Because the tournament's not starting today, and there's a lot of basketball to be played, and these rankings do nothing but upset people. Duke's the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. If it started today, Tennessee is number two. And the only thing that I found surprising about that was that Tennessee was two rather than three or four. It's kind of amazing to say that, but... Maybe you're laughing, but maybe you also understand what I'm saying, because what's kind of amazing about the Vols somehow managing to fly completely under the radar for a full month while having the number one next to the word Tennessee is how the media has somehow completely missed the great story taking place down in Knoxville. How many people have you heard say this? I'm one of them, I know, but you've heard it across this radio station. These are some great kids. They are some great young men. They are led by one of the nicest, most affable guys in the game, regardless of what Penny Hardaway tells you. You are telling me that in a 24-7, 365-day media content era where there never seems to be enough to fill that time, we are not seeing a lot of stories, or at least a decent number of stories about the camaraderie of this squad, the leadership of this squad, stuff like Admiral's decision to come to Knoxville, how great Grant Williams truly is as a college basketball player and where he ranks against some of the all-time greats in the SEC or maybe even nationally. About the ability of this Vols team to pick itself up regardless of what guy might be off on that particular night. I mean, Admiral went through a heck of a slump. And there are many teams that's going to completely ruin them. Not the Vols. They still only have one loss. No stories about sellouts at Thompson Bowling Arena, the fervor behind this team. Think about the idea that Tennessee's football program is still very much a work in progress under Jeremy Pruitt. But that city, Knoxville, which has bled Neyland Stadium orange for so very long, and secondarily Lady Vols orange, hasn't just rooted for Rick Barnes in this team, but in fact has completely fallen in, because it's this week, you can say Valentine's Week level love with this Volunteers men's basketball team in 2018 and 19. Think about Virginia. Virginia's a boring basketball team year in and year out, but they're all over ESPN, and deservedly so. And ESPN loves the ACC, and so do I. I grew up in ACC territory. I went to Virginia games growing up with my dad, football and basketball. I went to NC State as a student. My first girlfriend went to North Carolina. Many of my friends went to Wake Forest. I like seeing Virginia be relevant the way that they are. Tony Bennett's awesome. So last night I'm watching Kansas outlast TCU on the road. Incidentally, I would say Bob Wachusen and Fran Frischill are the most underrated announced duo in the game, just as Bob Wachusen and Brock Hewitt are in college football. I really like Bob Wachusen. 
But I'm thinking to myself, when is the last Monday night I did not see Kansas playing on ESPN in that like 9 o'clock Eastern slot? And I was actually kind of stunned to see him playing on the road. I was beginning to think that Kansas played every one of their regular season games 100% of the time at Fog Allen. Nobody is going to trump Duke or Kentucky for airtime, and I'm not really asserting that they should. Because sports is an entertainment business, it's a gambling business, we get all these things. I am, however, telling you that it is kind of incredible that even after a month of being the top team in the nation, no one nationally that doesn't explicitly cover college basketball as an expert outside the SEC even seems to care. But, guess what? This coming Saturday night, college game day is at the Vols game. Yes, they are. That game is in Lexington, Kentucky. It's the Tennessee Volunteers on the road against John Calipari and the Kentucky Wildcats. And I'll bet you game day could be in Knoxville on March the 2nd as well. That'll be when Kentucky comes to play Tennessee. But let me ask you this. If Tennessee can beat South Carolina tomorrow night, which you're going to hear right here on 104.5 The Zone, it's going to mean I'm off tomorrow, and I'll have something special for you on Thursday, even though I will be out that evening. If they then go to Lexington after beating South Carolina tomorrow night and beat the Cats, which I think most people are going to assume they're going to lose, then is the national media going to start to care a little bit more about this team? Does a win over Kentucky get that job done? Or is that still not going to be enough? The fact that I actually have to posit that question and ask it behind this microphone without having a real feel for the answer would seem to indicate a lot. This is a one-loss college basketball team in a Power 5 conference, a really good league at that, in the middle of February. This isn't a one-loss team in December or right after New Year's. It's Valentine's Day, basically. One loss. This team has not lost since you bought a Hisense TV for $399 after standing out in the cold outside of Best Buy. But it's talked about around the same level as a Conzo Martin Tennessee team was years back. For Tennessee and teams like Tennessee, the only way that you're going to be able to get respect is to grab it by the throat. That's what we're seeing. Everybody is just waiting for him to lose, and then the refrain is going to be really easy. It's going to be, yeah, we knew it would happen. I mean, it's Tennessee. It's not North Carolina we're talking about. They were number one, but everybody knew that Duke was actually the best team, or Michigan was the best team, or Michigan State was the best team, or North Carolina was the best team, or Virginia was the best team, or whoever it is that you want to put there. But not Tennessee, right? I mean, Tennessee is football school. It's SEC. I mean, whatever. They're number one. Rick Barnes is all right. Somehow, the University of Tennessee is more equivalent nationally to Boise State or UCF in college football than it is to Alabama or Clemson in football. I know it's new, but that doesn't mean it's not real, folks. I am really curious to see when the national media actually removes the blinders from its eyes and pays attention to the fact that this Tennessee team is just really darn good at playing college basketball. I'm not even a Tennessee fan, but there are so many stories that are just being left Not even on the king room floor. Nobody's even suggesting these things nationally. Take note, folks. The Vols have lost one game. This should be a bigger deal than it is. Final segment next. Kevin Durant.
Good Lord. Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. Um. The 10th Annual Sports Fest featuring the Music City Blitz is coming. Saturday, March 30th at the Nissan Stadium. Find out more now at 1045thezone.com. Final segment of the program. This is the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone. Haven't had time for phone calls tonight. Appreciate those who have been able to call in. We'll take some calls later on in the week. Sports Fest coming up, coming up 10th annual at Nissan Stadium. It's going to be free this year. The speaker series is going to be back. It's going to be a lot of fun. Great place to bring your family. All the Tennessee teams will be there in some capacity. There's going to be inflatables for your kids. I keep saying that's going to tire them out going through all this and, and playing around. And That's going to give you a more pleasant evening once they decide they want to go to bed around 8 o'clock that night, maybe even earlier in some cases. You can't have more fun for less money than you can there. There's going to be concessions. There's going to be vendors. There's going to be everything that you could possibly want as we celebrate sports, as we celebrate the city of Nashville and its relation to sports, and as the zone celebrates you guys. It's more. It's all for you. We just want you to come out and have a good time. We want to get to know you. We want to shake your hand, maybe give you a hug, and just thank you for offering us the opportunity that we have to bloviate behind microphones and actually do that for a living because you guys care enough to lend us your ears. And we certainly do not take that for granted, so we're looking very forward. March the 30th to the 10th Annual Sports Fest. A lot of information still to come, including who will be a part of the speaker series. And... uh so we'll see how we'll see how it plays out. I'm looking forward to hopefully maybe being on stage for the first time to do one of those. Usually I'm on air uh, live from Sports Fest. Maybe I will be again, but would love to potentially have a chance to talk to somebody. So we'll see. Didn't get to Kevin Durant last night. Want to get to Kevin Durant tonight. I'm not sure I've ever been more wrong about an athlete than I apparently have been about Kevin Durant. This guy, who seemed too cool for school for a while in OKC, loved everything about him reacted a little bit poorly to an Oklahoman article about him a couple of years before he would end up leaving OKC, and that was kind of the first blemish. He seemed a little more sensitive than you expected Kevin Durant to sound. But once he left for Golden State, after the Thunder blew that 3-1 lead to Steph and Clay and Draymond, a team, that Warriors team that would lose in the NBA Finals, largely thanks to the fact that Draymond Green was suspended one series too late, I think he should have missed a game in the OK series after the low blow to Steven Adams, but instead he missed a game due to technical fouls that involved LeBron James. Had he done that, had he been suspended against the Thunder, I think OKC probably wins that series, and Durant may never have even left. But he did, and he left for a 73-win team, a record-setting number of wins in the NBA, and multiple all-star teammates. And since that point, he increasingly has gotten so concerned, not with his game, but with his feelings, and making sure that everybody knows he's a victim for every little thing that happens in his life on the basketball court, or off it. So now, last week, he goes on the attack against the media. And i got to tell you, I've just about had it with Durant. He's won two titles with the Warriors, and although that's always going to be Steph Curry's team, he's been great there, has Durant. But, KD, this is what you signed up for, man. You signed up to be hit with a narrative that you gravy trained a team that did not need you 
to win championships because they already had. And as you've racked up your points and your rebounds and your assists and your blocks, you've also racked up a reputation for being far more thin-skinned than any of us ever knew. This guy simply cannot get out of the way of his own feelings. The only thing better than Kevin Durant's mid-range game is his skill in overreacting to every word somebody says about him. And almost every time it's happened this year, it's been your fault, Kevin. Why would you be angry the way that you were last week that media members like Ethan Strauss, who covers the team for The Athletic, who you felt the need to call out by name like he was Voldemort, for daring to merely state facts and mention that people are curious what's going to happen with you as a free agent after this season. Why would you be angry about that? You could have shut this whole thing down, bro, a long time ago by simply issuing a blanket statement to the media. I'm going to give you a free bit of advice here. All you had to do early on, when the season first started or when these questions started arising, I will not discuss free agency during this season I am focused on winning another championship in Golden State. I love it here. That's it. You don't even have to pay me for that. That's free. That's not a lie either, Kevin. All you have to do is just be a little bit vague. I'm not going to discuss it. I want to win another title in Golden State. I love it here with this team. I mean, you can love it in a place and still wonder what it might be like to be elsewhere. Like I'm sitting here thinking about it. I love Nashville. But you know what? Sometimes I think I could live here forever and be super happy. Matter of fact, I know I could, but London might be pretty cool too. When Chris Stapp's Porzingis got traded by the Knicks to the Mavericks to create money and roster availability, they traded Tim Hardaway Jr. and a couple of other guys as well. Insiders within the NBA, now not media types here, but front office execs and agents all believed, and I'd say they're dead accurate about this, that the Knicks organization had inside information. And what that means is that they were more than just mildly optimistic that they were going to land a few big-time free agents, a few whales in the offseason. They had real info to believe that, yeah, we can go ahead and wager everything right now because this is going to pay off for us. We know something we can't tell you about, but we feel awfully confident about it. Speculation from the get-go this season involved Kevin Durant, and there's plenty of fire behind that smoke. And then it got even worse when the Draymond incident happened early in the season. Kyrie Irving's been mentioned as well, although we got LeBron out here doing all he can to make that happen to get Kyrie back on his team to play for the Lakers. So Durant last week just comes out and says, after not saying a word for almost seven days, dodging the media for almost an entire week after Chris Stapps was sent to Dallas, I just want to play basketball. Can I just go play basketball? And going off on the media. You did this, Kevin. You did it all, buddy. Why in the world would you think going dark for a week after the Knicks made that trade, refusing to take questions, why would you think avoiding those questions would make them go away or satisfy somebody? All that it actually does is make it appear like you're afraid to have to answer those questions. And the Knicks were the team that you've been speculated to most throughout this entire process. So Chris Stapps, the guy that they needed to get rid of to make space for you, gets traded to the Mavs. And you all of a sudden just go totally dark and won't say a word. If I was looking for something to make me suspicious about where you're going to end up 
after this season, uh, that would be near the top of the list. Be a man, Kevin. Folks, the millennial is awfully strong in this one. And I think it's sad to watch because this guy seemed to be all class for a long time at Texas and certainly early on with Oklahoma City. And now he's taken that CL from the word class and you can kind of determine what he's become. And Durant seems to be unaware or uncomfortable. I don't know. He's unaware of what he is. He is a superstar, like top two NBA player whose bank account and notoriety do come with basic expectations of speaking publicly because you know he's a public figure. I'm not saying we need to know about his personal life. I'm not even saying he has a responsibility to answer every question if it doesn't serve his interest, truthfully. I mean, he can do whatever he wants, but he can't complain about being asked those questions. And he can't say the media is against him. The media exists to speak truth to power. That's what they say. Now, you can talk about biases this way or that way or whatever, but that's the media's job is to ask tough questions. That's why they actually get paid for a living. So you keep saying, I just want to go play basketball. Then go play basketball, man. You're making this harder on yourself and you don't have to. We should be celebrating how great you are. Not talking about how you can't stop talking about yourself being a victim. That's it for us. Off tomorrow, South Carolina, Tennessee, in my place. I'll be back on Thursday, special Valentine's edition of the Big Six. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless and good night.